Let me run it down for you, folks. Clint meets Kate's mom. Kate makes friends with all of the LARPers, and there's a new player on the field. That's today in episode number four, right here on The Streaming Fool. Warning before you go in, folks, everything from here on out will be filled to the brim with spoilers. Hello and welcome to The Streaming Fool, the podcast that gets up super early in the morning just to watch TV and record podcasts. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and I want to thank listener Hello Kenny for leaving us our first review over on Apple Podcasts, where he says, among other things, I listen every week and you should too. And I have to tell you, that is just some straight up solid advice. From Hello Kenny. So thank you once again. I really do truly appreciate that. And hey, folks, if you want to be like Hello Kenny, just go out there and rate the show. If you listen to it on Apple Podcasts, it's a star rating one to five, one being the worst, five being the best. And while you're not required to leave a review when you rate the show, you can, like Hello Kenny, take that extra step and do that very thing if you please. And hey, if you do take the time to actually write out a review, I'm going to give you a big old shout out right here on the show, just like I did for Hello Kenny, who is the star of the episode. If I have some kind of exciting freaking music celebration thing to play, I'm going to do that right here. All right, now today we're talking about Episode four of Hawkeye, it's entitled Partners. Am I right? It landed on Disney Plus on Wednesday, December the 8th, and Wikipedia describes it like this. Barton refuses to... Okay, hold on. I got to stop here. Here's one of the things that I'm not a big fan of when it comes to some of these descriptions that folks put up over on the Wikipedia. Every character in this episode that they talk about they just give their last name. And that, for some reason, that drives me crazy. So I may change them to first names. Except for I've noticed as I'm glancing through this, they refer to Kate as Bishop and to Kate's mom, who is also a bishop, they call her Eleanor. So I may just I may just switch those around to the first names, okay? Let's do that. Clint diffuses the situation after Eleanor and Jack recognize him as an Avenger. Eleanor asks him to keep Kate out of his investigation and later contacts an unknown person to inform them of the situation. With the help of his wife, Laura, Clint discovers that Jack is the CEO of Sloan Limited, a shell company that launders money for the tracksuit mafia, while Kate deduces that Clint was Ronan. Clint locates Kazi and asks him to talk Maya out of her vendetta against Ronan. Afterwards, Laura informs Clint that the watch stolen by the tracksuit mafia is sending out tracking signals from an apartment building. Clint and Kate go to retrieve it and find out the watch is located in Maya's apartment, where she also keeps notes on Clint and his family. Maya appears and attacks Clint, while Clint is ambushed by a masked assassin. A fight ensues between Clint and Kate, Maya, and the assassin. Kate injures Maya, forcing her to retreat, while Clint unmasks his assailant, who is revealed to be Yelena Belova 
before she escapes. Clint decides that he cannot keep putting Kate in danger and breaks off their partnership. All right, that was really difficult to read, to, to replace all the last names with first names. That was really hard. That That's what I do here for you folks. I go the extra mile. Okay, so let's just get it out of the way right now. The big reveal that Yelena Belova is in this episode. Um, Yelena Belova, if you're not aware, is the sister of sorts of Natasha Romanoff, who, of course, has passed away. She showed up in the Black Widow movie, and at the end of the Black Widow movie, she is told that Clint is the one that killed Natasha. And so that's why Yelena is here to get revenge, is what we're assuming at this point. I did make notes as I was watching the episode, so I'm going to kind of go through those here. Uh, the first thing is <laughs> a great moment at the beginning. I tell you what, the, the whole intro, the whole beginning of this episode has me kind of questioning whether or not Jack is actually a bad guy. So if you remember the previous episode, episode number three, which for some reason I spent the whole entire back half almost of my episode of The Streaming Fool talking about episode three, saying stuff like, oh my gosh, we've only got two episodes left. What's going on? And I <laughs> I don't know why I was saying that. I, I must have thought I was talking about episode four because yeah, now we have two episodes left, but let's get beyond that. Anyway, if you remember the end of episode three, it Kate and Clint had gone to uh, Kate's mom's penthouse, the uh, Eleanor's penthouse to use her computer to access uh, Bishop security files to look up information on Kazi, who runs around with the tracksuit mafia and found out that Kazi worked for a, uh, uh, an organization called Sloan limited and Clint wanted her to look up something else. She was going to try to look up some other information. I think she was going to try to dig up some dirt on Jack but Clint started walking around the apartment and he is then confronted by Jack holding the Ronin sword at Clint's throat. And that's how the episode ends. And I had said last week when I talked about episode three that I seriously doubt that episode four will start with a big fight between Clint and Jack. And sure enough, I was right. There is no fight at all. It was exactly what I thought it was. Jack uh, was in the apartment, heard somebody sneaking around and went to check it out. Eleanor is with him, and they immediately recognize Clint as an Avenger. She's, I think she says, why is there an Avenger in my house? And, and Jack says, I wrote this down specifically, oh my God, you're Archer, to which Kate says, uh, Hawkeye. And then she needles Clint a little bit more about the branding that he needs to do on his image. Uh, so then we get this moment in the, in the show where Clint basically, it's like Clint is meeting Kate's parents. I don't want to, I, I don't necessarily want to compare it to the boyfriend meeting uh, the girlfriend's parents because uh, that's that's weird to think about. Clint is way, way, way older than Kate, and that's not the kind of relationship they have. But Clint goes to leave. As he's leaving, he notices that the sword that Jack had used and was now leaning against the wall is the Ronin sword. He kind of, they, they make a, a big kind of point to, to get you to notice that Clint notices that it's the Ronin sword. And so Eleanor walks him out and she 
she wants him to stop working with Kate. She's worried about Kate. She doesn't want Kate to get hurt. And she, but what she asks Clint is not, can you, whatever you're doing in town, whatever this is that you're looking for, whatever case you're working on, because Kate kept calling it a case as if they were uh, private investigators or something, you know, whatever case you're working on, she doesn't say, can you just do it without Kate? She actually says, can you drop the case entirely? Is what she basically asks him. To which she says, no, no, I can't do that. I have to see this through to the end. But what I can do is make sure that Kate is safe. And then he goes down in the elevator and we learn that he stole the Ronin sword. Now, there is then a moment with uh, Kate and Eleanor and Jack. And she's like laying on the couch with the dog next to her. And Jack and Eleanor are talking about her right in front of her. And Eleanor is talking about how Kate has been obsessed with Clint uh, since forever. And Jack makes this comment that is basically he's he's saying, well, she's at, she acted she acted pretty cool for somebody she idolized. If I had been, uh, con, you know, if I met my idol, which is Huey Lewis, I don't know that I could keep it that cool. I don't remember exactly how he said it, but I like that we learn in this episode that Jack Duquesne's idol is Huey Lewis. I there for some reason I find that 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 endears me more toward Jack. And so the three of them start talking, and there's just this moment where you start to question whether or not Jack is a bad guy or not. Now the reason why we think Jack is a bad guy is because he went to that illegal auction in episode number one, and we know that he is based on the character of the swordsman from the comics, who is kind of an on again off again bad guy. As of the Matt Fraction run of Hawkeye, which some of this show is based on, the Swordsman does show up in that run, and he is a bad guy in that run. So that's why a lot of us are assuming that Jack is a bad guy. Now, this moment between Jack and Eleanor and Kate, even Kate seems to be warming up to Jack. Just the way he treats her mom, she just, you can see it in her eyes that she feels that Maybe Jack really does love her mother, Eleanor, and maybe maybe she's wrong about him. But in the meantime, Clint had texted his wife to dig up dirt on Sloan Limited, and he learns that Sloan Limited is a front that uh, launders money for the tracksuit mafia and that Jack Duquesne is a CEO. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that Jack Duquesne knows what's going on. That doesn't mean that Jack is actually the big bad. For all we know, Eleanor is the big bad, and she is using Jack like a puppet and deceiving Jack, and she's the one that actually runs Sloan Limited, but she's got Jack set up as like the face of the company, and he will take the fall if anything happens. Now, the reason why we suspect Eleanor of being a bad person is a uh, in the in the comics, uh, Kate. Well, her her parents in the comics. Her mother is the one that passed away, and her dad is alive, and he is mixed up in organized crime. In the show, her dad is the one that passes away, and we're assuming her mother is dabbling in organized crime, is involved in organized crime, just based on various things that's happened throughout the episode. Her confrontation with uh, Jack's uncle. In episode one, in this episode, after Clint leaves, she calls somebody to let them know what's going on. And uh, 
Who is that person she calls? Is it the kingpin? Maybe. Maybe it is. And, you know, it's it's also possible that when Kate's father died, when we saw the flashback in episode one of the attack on New York City by the Chitari and the apartment, the penthouse blows up and her father dies. For all we know, uh, Eleanor could have used that to her advantage and killed off uh, her husband, Kate's dad, so she could collect that insurance money because they were broke at that point. They were in a lot of financial trouble. We also learn that Clint's wife, Laura, knows about the watch. So in the first episode, when the tracksuit mafia invade this illegal auction, they're there to find a watch, which some of the stuff that's being auctioned off are uh, is stuff that were stolen from the Avengers compound, which was destroyed at the end of Avengers Endgame. And so there were certain artifacts that were taken probably during cleanup and are now being auctioned off, one of which was the Ronin suit and the Ronin sword. And another was this watch, which is why the tracksuit mafia were there. So when Clint is talking to Laura about, you know, he, you know, this whole uh, tracksuit mafia thing in Sloan Limited, and he tells her that he's, he's not, he can't come home yet. He's got to see this to the end because Kate is involved. And, you know, he's like, there's this kid involved and I don't want her to get hurt. And I want to make sure that she's in the clear before I leave. And, she says, well, do you think there was anything else taken from the Avengers compound? Do you think the watch was taken? And Clint basically, you know, he's like, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea. But uh, there is a tracker on the watch. Activate it and let's see where it is. And we find out later that the watch is in an, an apartment building there in New York. Before we learn this, though, uh, Kate comes over to Clint's. Well, Clint is staying in Kate's aunt's house, her her apartment. Her aunt is off on some vacation and she is either a big fan of old movies or she is the actress portrayed in the various old B-movie posters that are in this apartment. But Clint is staying there. Jack had made a comment while he and Eleanor and Kate were were talking because he uh, Eleanor kind of pokes fun at him at one point and he because he he uses sayings. Like he he tries to use the uh, the whole Forrest Gump life is like a box of chocolates you never know what you get but he kind of mixes it up with almost what Ferris Bueller says with the whole uh, life moves pretty fast you better if you don't take a moment to to I don't remember exactly what it is but he says something to the effect of life moves pretty fast you never know what you're gonna get or something like that and we learn that he often mix, mixes up standard expressions and. Kate and Eleanor are kind of laughing at him, and he makes a comment that uh, he says, being laughed at by family is better than being alone on the holidays. And that makes Kate realize that Clint is over at that apartment by himself. So she comes to see him, and she brings uh, Christmas decorations and a tree. And so they set up a tree, and they decorate the house. And at one point, as they're decorating the tree, they're having a conversation that seems to be about uh, how you do a double bullseye. Because he's telling her, as, as we pick up on the conversation, he's telling her, oh, it's easy. You just, the first arrow has to be made of wood, so the second arrow can split it right down the middle. And she says, well, it's not possible. I've, I've tried it. And he goes, I've, I've done it a couple of times. And, and uh, then he, he pulls a, uh, an ornament off the tree that's basically the size and shape of a quarter. And he goes, in fact, I can knock a man out with this uh, from like 20 paces or something. And he goes, or you can use a quarter. A dime is too light. 
And she's like, whatever, you can't do that. And so he takes it in his fingers and he snaps and it flies out of his fingers and it hits the the TV, the power button on the TV and turns the power off. And so then he shows her how to do it. And after a few tries, she's able to turn the, the TV back on with this little this little metal disc, which, you know, that may come back by the end of the series, you know, since he uh, taught her a new trick. She also mentions while she's over there how he needs to have a boomerang arrow, which he goes, no, that's that's ridiculous. Why would I want a boomerang arrow? And she goes, so it it comes back to you. He goes, why would I want to shoot an arrow so that it'll come back to me? And so I don't know about y'all, but I think we're going to see uh, some a boomerang arrow by the end of this as well. They also mention his trick arrows to which he makes a comment. There are no trick arrows, which is true. It's the arrowheads that are the tricks. It's not the arrows. And uh, they are apparently, we find out that his stash of trick arrowheads are being kept at a police facility in New York. And I'm honestly, at this point, I'm unsure why. If I missed something in these four episodes, I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know why his arrows are sitting in a, a police facility in, in, in the city. I don't know why they don't explain it, which makes me feel like I missed something. So if I did, let me know if, if what am I missing? Is it something from one of the movies? I don't know why his arrows are there. I don't know. But before, well, okay. So then they have, they, they have to make a plan on what they're going to do moving forward. So the next day, Clint is going to go see Kazi who is one of the members of the tracksuit mafia and is basically second in command under Maya Lopez, also known as Echo from the comic books. And he asks Kate to go find the LARPers in Central Park. He says many of them are made up of uh, police officers and first responders, and his tracking arrow is showing that his trick arrows, head, trick arrow heads or whatever, they're in the, this police facility in, in the city. And And he wants to see if she can befriend them enough that they will help her get those arrows back. And so he goes to see Kazi and he basically threatens to, you know, mess him up and, you know, scares him into trying to convince Maya to just leave this whole Ronin thing alone. He said, the Ronin thing is over. And I know that you guys are into a lot of stuff. And I know that the boss, whoever's above Maya, I know that her boss doesn't like all the attention. She's going to be making a lot of noise if she continues to, to pursue this and her boss doesn't like that kind of attention, which again, to me, it's not a big hint, but it, to me, I feel like that's a hint toward Kingpin. And frankly, um, I just keep hearing from multiple sources that uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is going to show up in this series as the Kingpin. If not this series, then maybe the Echo series, because there is going to be an, an, a series about Echo, Maya Lopez, and in the comics, she uh, learned that it was the Kingpin who murdered her father, and so she goes after the Kingpin. We know in this show that Ronan, or Clint, murdered her father. Murdered, murdered, murdered her father, but maybe it was because the Kingpin kind of pushed him toward the tracksuit mafia, let him know in some roundabout way where they could be found. He talks a lot in this episode when Kate tells him that she's, she, she realizes that he was the Ronin, you know, he, he tells her that he is a, he's a weapon and that, um, 
it's what he is. It's what he's always been. Because she, she, she's, you know, she uh, she idolizes him. She says, no, you're, you're a hero. And he says, no, I'm a weapon. I'm pointed towards something that needs to be taken out. And I take it out. That's 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 what I've always done. And uh, it could be that the kingpin pointed him toward Maya's father, who was at that point leading the tracksuit mafia. I don't know. We could be, it could be Eleanor. It could be Jack. I just don't know at this point. But I just cannot discount the person who was in episode three that we only saw their arm and part of their side who pinched little Maya's cheek when she was in karate class when she was a grade schooler. And this person laughed and they sounded just like Vincent D'Onofrio. And and, uh, Mr. D'Onofrio has posted about the Hawkeye show, you know, this show looks good. I can't wait to see the rest of it. And, you know, maybe he's just a fan or maybe he's letting us know that he's going to show up at one point. Anyway, he goes to tell Kazi to try to back Maya off because it's just it's not going to end well. In the meantime, Kate, with her bow and quiver of arrows, goes to Central Park and finds the LARPers uh, going through like uh, fighting moves in a in a, in a in a in a uniform way. They're like going through different um, group fighting moves, and and she she comes up and she she's like, "Wow, you guys are really working hard." And she tells them that she is the partner of Hawkeye, and he would like to know he he wants their help. Asks if any one of them is a police officer, and one of the a couple of them raise their hands, and she says. Well, we're kind of hoping that you would just uh, do a little evidence tampering and help him get his arrows back. And and they agree. And this 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 officer says, you know, well, we will do this for you and you do some you do something for us. Well, when Clint gets done with Kazi, he comes back to his the apartment, Kate's aunt's apartment, and she's there with all these LARPers. And one of them is Grills, the guy that uh, Clint had to fake fight to get the Ronin costume back. Grills, by the way, was a character in the comics, but he was a completely different person. Uh, he lived in the apartment building that Hank, Hank, not Hank, that Clint, Hank is Hank Pym, Clint owned, and he was always grilling uh, burgers and whatnot up on the roof. So everybody just called him Grills. Kazi, I found out today, was the character who was the clown in the Matt Fraction run, which blew my mind away because they really changed him for this show. The clown technically worked for the tracksuit mafia, but he was a uh, a hitman for hire, and he painted his face up in clown uh, makeup, but like white, like uh, the white grease paint with a little tear coming out of one eye, not like Bozo the Clown type makeup. Anyway, when he comes back to the apartment and he finds all the LARPers there. He's a bit confused. Uh, and there, there's a moment where you realize that by the end of this show, both Clint and Kate are going to have new costumes because there's this armor type, leather armor type costume thing that, that Kate is trying on that one of the LARPers tells her, you know, yeah, I made this myself. And and Kate's like, this is great. Maybe you can make, uh, a, uh, you know, a, a, something for me and... Grill says, you know what, maybe that can be our deal. You supply us with the fabric because I guess through her contacts with either Clint and the Avengers and um, her mom's security firm, she can get some good some good stuff, some real armor type fabric to make, uh, you know, fighting outfits out of. And 
So girl said, girl says, we'll get you, we get you the arrows and then you get us the fabric to make us so that we can make all new costumes. And Kate says, that's fine, but let's add two more costumes to it. And she kind of looks at Clint. So that of course gives us all the feeling that by the end of the series, the end of the next two episodes at some point, both of them will be wearing new costumes. And I'm really that um, there's a part of me that's really excited about that because there's been this big thread so far through these four episodes uh, once Kate and Clint started hanging out where she's been really pushing him to change his brand so that he's more recognizable as Hawkeye. And, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have that. Uh, he's not as recognized as the other Avengers, which he's happy about. He likes that, but I I'll be interested to see what kind of costume she concocts. So we also learn Laura calls uh, Clint and she tells him that, the the watch the tracker within the watch shows that it's at this uh, apartment building uh, this apartment in in the city and he and Kate have to go get it but they have this conversation uh which makes you feel like because she even Laura even talks to him at one point in German so i'll get back to that in a second because then Kate and and uh Clint go they they gear up they're standing on a on a rooftop looking at uh, the apartment across the way through binoculars. And he's like, all right, this is where we got to go. Doesn't look like anybody's home. We need to, we need to find a way in. And as he's telling her this, she just, she just walks away and she goes, you know, he's talking about get a grappling arrow and rappel down the side of the building and go into the window. And she just decides to go in the front door. So once he realizes she's gone, he sees her down on the street they have communicators in their ears to talk to each other. And so she gets into the apartment and she says, what, I, what am I looking for? And he tells her it's an old Rolex. And he tells her that it belonged to a friend, somebody who's been out of the game for a long time, but their identity is attached to the watch. And if the tracksuit mafia discover this person's identity through the watch, it would mean that their cover is blown and he, his friend would die. We don't know who the friend is. And at first I'm trying to figure out when he talked about it, somebody who used to be in the game a long time ago. Um, I'm trying to think about a fellow superhero with some kind of time motif and nothing is springing to mind. And then I realized maybe he's talking about his wife. We have, we, we've never found out how he and his wife met. Uh, she seems to know everything about his life in shield She's well-versed in all of these players, like the, the tracksuit mafia. She's able to find information about Sloan Limited. She speaks German. Uh, maybe she was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, and that's where they met. And she retired so that she could have children. Or another theory is that it could have been Tony Stark's watch, which doesn't make sense to the whole uh, belong to a friend who got out of the game and their identity is tied to it. And if... Their cover is blown because at this point, Tony Stark is dead. But I think some people are pushing uh, or they're hoping that this watch is something that will lead into the Armor Wars show that is coming up, that this might be some Stark tech. And this is just the tip of the iceberg where, uh, you know, in the comic book, the Armor Wars were Tony going around and, you know, he find, finds out that his tech was stolen and all these... Uh, Villains who use armor or some type of tech in their costume is all stolen from him and he goes to get it back. And that's from what I understand, that's what the show is going to be about. But with Tony being dead, it's going to be uh, 
roadie war machine going out and and doing this and maybe this is where it starts but i don't know i'm i'm leaning more toward his wife being a, an old an ex-member of shield and that's how they met so while uh kate is in the apartment she she finds the watch and then she finds a notebook that has clint's name on it and has the name of his wife and his children and their ages and clint realizes that this is maya's apartment and tells her to get out and suddenly you can hear that he's fighting somebody and then suddenly maya is there and she's fighting kate and uh clint at one point says you got to get out of there that's maya's apartment and she goes she goes i know it's maya's apartment she's here and he's like no she's here and if if maya's with you who am i fighting and that's when we find out there's a new player on the field there's this person who is dressed in in all black from head to toe you can't see her face She's got like freaking glowing night vision goggles on and stuff. And we learn that it's Yelena Belova from the Black Widow movie. Uh, Kate gets thrown off the building. She almost dies during this fight. Uh, but they manage to get the best of of both Maya and Yelena. And by the best of them, I mean they both end up leaving, uh, escaping, uh, running away. And it's at that point that Clint, he's like, look, you know what? Uh you can't be my partner anymore. I, I can't have, you know, somebody else, another person uh, die on me. Um, he's probably thinking about the promise he made to Kate's mom. Um, but I think really he's he's thinking about Natasha and he doesn't want that to happen again. And with when Kate showed up with all the Christmas stuff and they, they spent the evening, uh, you know, drinking smoothies and talking archery and they really bonded and they became close like like partners would like friends would and and uh Kate and Clint at this point is like you know when she gets thrown off the building she doesn't hit the ground there's a uh she has a cable attached to her so she's saved but he he just he he can't do it he doesn't he doesn't want her to get hurt and so the episode ends with him basically telling her you know you can't be my partner anymore and then he leaves uh, we know, however, come on, we know that that's, that's not the end of it, that they are, they will, uh, work together again by the end of this, this series and in new costume, apparently. So I enjoyed the episode. It's not my favorite of the bunch. It's, uh, last week's episode is, is the best. And frankly, unless any future episodes have a giant arrow or a regular sized arrow that was turned into a giant arrow, thanks to pin particles like episode three, any future episodes going to be hard to beat because that was pretty freaking awesome. But hopefully by the end of the series, we're going to learn that that, you know, we'll we'll get a, a Wilson Fisk, a Kingpin, a Vincent D'Onofrio uh, appearance. We know based on information that Kevin Feige, the the head MCU guy in charge, he's revealed just within the last couple of days that uh, Charlie Cox, who played Daredevil in the Netflix show will be appearing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that he will uh, eventually become be Daredevil in the MCU. Um, so, of course, the the rumor is, is that he, Charlie Cox, will be in Spider-Man No Way Home as Matt Murdock, not as Daredevil, and that he will probably show up as Daredevil in the Echo series because Echo's big first appearance, her big storyline in the comics... Uh, was in a daredevil run. So yeah, um, if Charlie Cox is coming back, then why not Vincent D'Onofrio? Cause he, he is Kingpin. He does the best 
he's the perfect kingpin. He's the best. He's the best. So whether that, I mean, I, I feel probably 95, 96, maybe even 98% confident that Vincent D'Onofrio will be joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe as the kingpin. Whether or not we're going to see that happen in Hawkeye, I don't know. It might, he's, his first appearance might be in the Echo series that's coming up at some point. So I don't know. I have hopes. I have wishes. I have dreams. And we'll see how they all manifest in the future. So what about y'all? What'd you think of the episode? Did you enjoy it? How would you rank it? Did you want to take it out to dinner? What did you think about the episode? Let me know the streaming fool at gmail.com. And who knows, maybe I will read your thoughts out on a future episode. But until then, folks, my name is Steven. I am the streaming fool and I will be the streaming fool until, I don't know, the cows come home, maybe till the giraffes start playing violins, till chipmunks ride skateboards and wear those straw hats that people wear when they're out gardening. You know, those big wide brimmed straw hats, maybe a little floral panel, you know, a little floral pattern scarf thing, bandana around the hat. I don't know. When the sun refuses to move another inch, maybe that's the point I'll stop being the streaming fool. We'll see. The future is not set in stone, folks. And even if it is, stone breaks. That was pretty deep, but I stole that from somebody else. I stole that from a book. I just don't remember what the book is. I'll talk to you next time, folks. <laughs> that was dumb.